0: For starters, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate this, this opportunity, this chance to be here to speak. I appreciate David inviting me and giving me this chance to speak to this good group of people. Although I will say that it, this opportunity for me to speak did not get off to the best start. didn't get off to the best start. You see, I, uh, when I got the call from David about two months ago, I was sitting in the parking lot of the Walmart in Jasper uh, while my wife, Megan, and my daughter, Milo were inside shopping for who knows what. And our conversation lasted about five minutes, and then I pulled up to the front to, to pick them up. And when I did, I noticed that Megan and Milo were soaking wet. And at that moment, I realized that it, it had begun to rain. So at that point, my wife got in the truck, and very calmly and very lovingly, she told me that she had been trying to call me for five minutes because they were standing out in the pouring rain. And I did not see it because David was on the phone with me. So tonight I just want to say thank you to David. Because of him, that night I was able to test out our couch. So I I really appreciate him doing that for me. When he told me that the theme for this summer series is about everyday wisdom, about everyday wisdom, I got to thinking, you know, I don't like giving away my wisdom for free, okay? I don't like giving away for free. So before, before I get to the point where I'm sharing some wisdom that I find in the Bible, I need your help. I need you guys to help me out. You see, I've been struggling with something for three and a half years, and I need your help. You see, my daughter, Mila, was born three and a half years ago, and since that moment, I have heard two things more than anything else. Number one, I've heard that Mila is cute. You know, she's the cutest baby I've ever seen. She's precious, she's darling. But the second thing that I've heard is that she looks like my dad. She looks like my father, she looks like Clark Sims. So as you can imagine, that has put me in a very uncomfortable, weird position because I am faced with one of two choices and it has to be one of these two choices. Either A, My daughter, my Mila, my sweet angel is ugly. (laughs) Or my dad is cute. So I don't don't know exactly which way to go with that. So maybe if you could help me out here after services, I'd really appreciate it. But when I heard this topic, and when I talked to David on the phone and, and he discussed the topic of everyday wisdom, it did not take long for me to realize what I wanted to talk about. Because this idea that we're talking about tonight has been rattling around in my brain for about two months now. And and I've been looking forward to this opportunity to speak about it. So tonight, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip with me to Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to start in verse 30 here in just a minute. You know, I have always identified myself with Peter. You know, I feel like Peter, I could see myself in Peter. He is a very passionate guy. He's very bold. But sometimes that passion and that boldness got in his way. Sometimes he acted before he thought. Sometimes he spoke before he thought. But you see, Peter was being groomed from the very beginning. As soon as he started following Jesus, he was being groomed for a role. He was being groomed to lead the church once Jesus ascended into heaven. He was being groomed to be one of the leaders. Of spreading the message of Jesus Christ once Jesus was no longer here and he wanted to do he wanted to fulfill that role but Peter was stuck in what I like to call the cycle he was stuck in the cycle you see Peter he would do good for a while and then he would fall right back into the same old sins and the same old problems he would do good for a while And then that boldness and that passion would get out of control, and he'd fall right back to where he was. He was stuck in an endless cycle. For most of the time that we read about him in the Gospels, he was stuck. And it got me thinking, and I think a lot of members of the Lord's church, a lot of people in the church today, are stuck in this very same cycle. I think we're stuck in this cycle. We get on these ups, we get on fire for God, we get on fire for Jesus, and then we head back to the same workplace, hanging around the same people, doing the same things, and we end up falling right back in the same place, and we're stuck. I remember when I was younger, my favorite youth event to go to is called Exposure Youth Camp, and it's in Huntsville, December 27th through 30 every year, and I take my youth group at Midway and Jasper every year as well. It's my favorite youth of But I remember being there year after year when I was in high school and hearing these great speakers. And I would get on fire for God and on fire for Jesus. And a few times I even came forward and I had a note in my hand. And I would hand it to my youth minister and it would say, I'm gonna be different this time. I gotta change. I wanna be committed, full bore. And for a few weeks it would work out. But then school would start back, and I would start hanging out with the same people, doing the same things. And before I knew it, I was right back to where I started. Stuck in the cycle. My friends, if we're going in a circle, if we're stuck in a cycle, we ain't going anywhere. We're not growing. We're not maturing. We're not advancing the church as long as we are stuck in the cycle. And you know what? I think that is Satan's, one of his best tools because he has let a lot of people in the church feel like they're perfectly fine just going through the motions just stuck on the cycle not going anywhere and Peter is there right now in Matthew 26 and verse 30 and he's about to face the penultimate moment of being stuck in that cycle so let's read Matthew 26 starting in verse 30 It says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Not me, Jesus. I'll never fall away. All these other people, they might fall away, but it's it's not going to be me. And then Jesus said to him in verse 34, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Even if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. You know, it's pretty easy where Peter was in that moment to say that. He was surrounded by the apostles. He was surrounded by Jesus himself. It was easy to say that. It's easy standing and sitting at a place like this. Surrounded by like-minded individuals with the same goals in mind to sit here and say, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. To say, I'm going to be committed to you from now on. But since the beginning of time, words have always been much easier than actions, right? And It'll be that way until the end of time. It's so much easier in a place like that. But his words were about to be tested. Before this chapter ends, before Matthew chapter 26 ends, Peter's words are put to the test if you move down to verse 69. Verse 69 says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, You will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. In the class that I'm teaching, the young people at Midway and Jasper, on Sunday mornings for about a year now, we've been going through the life of Jesus, and we're right to the end of the life of Jesus. And I had the idea to to let them be able to watch some scenes from the Passion of the Christ, so that they could see and get it, get get some sort of image in their mind of what those last 12 hours of Jesus' life was like. And while everything in that movie is not completely accurate, I think they do. A, A good job of portraying what we think happened in those 12 hours. And watching that movie, the most haunting scene to me in the entire movie is this scene right here with Peter. At the exact same moment that Peter is denying that he even knows Jesus three times, in that scene, Jesus is having the stew beat out of him. His face is bloodied, he has an eye that is swollen shut. Meanwhile, as Peter is denying, he even knows Jesus. And then, after Peter denies him the third time and he hears the rooster crow, he falls to the ground and he looks over across the floor and Jesus himself had been knocked to the ground and their eyes meet. You'll find that in Luke 22 and verse 61 where it says that Jesus turned and looked and saw Peter. And he got to wonder when their eyes met, what on earth was going through Peter's mind? Was he thinking, I failed again. Same old Peter. Stuck in the cycle. They need me to be something better, but I'm stuck. The same old Peter. And that leads us to our first question tonight. We're going to ask five questions. And a couple of them only you can answer. then a few of them we're going to study together. The first question you need to ask yourself is do you find yourself in the cycle right now? Do you personally find yourself in the cycle right now? And the second question we're going to ask is how do you get out of the cycle? How do you get out of the cycle? Who better to ask than Peter himself? So let's flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1. And learn from Peter himself exactly how we break the cycle. How we grow as Christians. How we mature into what we are supposed to be. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1 starting in verse 3. The Bible says... how to stay out of the cycle. How do you continue to grow? If you want to become partakers of the divine nature, if you want to receive the reward, if you want to get out of the cycle, stay out of the cycle, Peter is about to tell you exactly how to do this, starting in verse five. First, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. I've always heard the word virtue but I've never really completely understood exactly what it meant so I looked up the definition and it says behavior showing high moral standard. That tells me your faith is not enough. Faith is important but Peter says supplement your faith with virtue. Are you backing up your faith with actions? That's what Peter tells us to do in order to stay out of the cycle. He says and virtue with knowledge. Are you growing in your knowledge every day? This is something that I have struggled with for a long time. I love television. I love sports. I love going out and doing things. And I always find some excuse, it seemed like, for not studying my Bible enough. And of course, I'm getting better at that. But I'm still not to the point where I need to be. Are you growing in your knowledge? Are you taking the opportunities that you've been given for Bible class or for worship? To learn and to grow in your knowledge. Are you reading your Bible at home? Verse 6, and knowledge with self-control. And self-control is one of the most underrated virtues you could have. Because our natural impulse almost every single time is to do the wrong thing, right? When you're driving your car and someone cuts you off, what's your first first impulse? It's not anything good, right? Self-control is extremely important. It says, and self control with steadfastness. I love the definition for steadfastness. It says, dutifully firm and unwavering. Is your faith unwavering? Is it immovable? Or does it get tossed about with with whoever you're with that day or whatever you're watching on television that day? Make your faith unwavering, build it on a solid foundation. And steadfastness with godliness. Do the people around you know that you're a Christian? I'm going to be honest, I'd be kind of embarrassed to go back and ask some of my workplaces and some of the friends that I've had in the past if they even knew that I was a Christian. If you're godly, you ooze godliness. People see it in your actions, and it's undeniable. And then verse 7, And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. You know, I think for a long time, the Lord's church has had kind of a stigma you know, from people that are not in the church to say that we don't, we don't share show enough love. We don't have enough love in our congregations. And of course, I think that's, that's asinine. But I have known individual people that really struggle with that. I've known people that are very rigid and just do not do not show affection, do not show love for other people. But you do know that love is command. Remember what Jesus said, the first, the greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And what did he say was right up next to it? To love your neighbor as yourself. It is a command. We are commanded to love. If someone commits a sin like adultery or stealing or something all, along those lines, we're all over it. We know those are a sin, but a lot of times when people struggle to love and show affection, we just say, that's just how they are, you know. That's just how they are. We are commanded to love. We are commanded to care for one another. Let's continue in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these qualities are increasing, if you are growing, they keep you from being ineffective. They keep you from being unfruitful. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed, From his former sins. Peter says if you're stuck in the cycle. If you're not growing as a Christian. You are so nearsighted. That you are blind. And how about this. He says that you have forgotten. That you were cleansed. From your former sins. You've forgotten what Jesus did for you. You've forgotten what it felt like. When you came up out of that water. A new man or a new woman. You've completely forgotten. When you were stuck in the cycle. And not growing as a Christian. Verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to enter the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this is what you got to do. You got to continue to grow. You got to get out of the cycle. You gotta grow. You gotta work. You know, I'm a I'm a pretty big Atlanta Braves fan, and uh, this year there's a player for the Braves named Dansby Swanson, okay. And the Braves traded for Dansby Swanson several years ago, and he was the number one overall pick in the MLB draft. That means the of all the players that came out that year for the MLB draft, he was number one. But since he came to the Braves, he's been known as a very streaky hitter. So he'll have a stretch where he hits really well, and then he'll have a long stretch where he doesn't hit very well at all. He can't hit anything. And the stretches where he can't hit anything were a lot more frequent than the stretches where he was really hot. But he was stuck in the cycle. And before this year, people would say, that's just who he is. He's just a streaky hitter. He's just an okay player, not really going to give you that much compared to the average player. He's stuck in the cycle. But this year, somehow, Dansby Swanson has put it together and is having just an absolutely incredible year. He's been one of the top ten players in all of baseball. He was an all-star. How did that happen? Because he was not content being stuck in the cycle. He was not content being average, not going anywhere. He kept working. And he kept growing And now he's one of the best players in all of baseball. Maybe we can take a lesson from him. Here's our third question tonight. Do you know someone in the cycle? Do you know someone in the cycle? And that leads to our fourth question. How do we help someone in the cycle? How do we help someone that we know that is stuck as a Christian? And we find that answer continuing in in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 12 here. Peter says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. I intend always to remind you. I think it is right to stir you up. What is Peter saying? We encourage these people. We teach these people. And if we have to, we rebuke these people when they're stuck. Unfortunately, one of the things I think I've done in the past, and I think, the church has done itself at times, as I think sometimes we're guilty of giving up on people that are stuck in the cycle. Maybe we see a a family that only comes on Sunday mornings, and we say, they've they've only come on Sunday mornings for for years. They're never going to change. They're never going to grow. They don't want more. They're stuck. And we give up on them. We say, do you, do you know what that guy does on Friday nights? He's done that on Friday nights for years. Everyone knows what he does. He does He's not going to grow. He's stuck. He's going to keep doing the same thing. And we give up on people. And we let them fend for themselves. But you know, I know people that used to be in the cycle for a long time that we thought were, were stuck there forever. And now they're some of the strongest Christian people you'll ever meet. You know, I gave up on Dansby Swanson as a Braves fan last year. I was ready to trade him. Said he's, he's, he is who he is. He's stuck in this mediocre life. I gave up on him. Thank goodness they didn't take my suggestion. So the first thing in order to help somebody who's in the cycle is we don't give up on them. We don't give up on them. Why? Because we've all been there before, right? I think everybody in this room could say at some point in their life they've been stuck and they haven't felt confident in their faith because they've been stuck. I think every single one of us can say that. So what do we do for someone in the cycle? We encourage, we teach, we're there for them. That's what we do. So let's flip over Hebrews chapter 5, as we enter the next part of our lesson here. Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 11 through 14. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. It says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. People that are stuck in the cycle, people that are they're spiritually immature. They're, they're spiritual babies. They're spiritual children. That's what this verse tells us. You could be a Christian for 30 years and you could still be a spiritual child, a spiritual babe. You could still be spiritually immature. So what do we do? We rebuke them. We encourage them. We teach them, but we don't give up on them because they're just immature. You know, right now, we're in the process of potty training Mila. Or let me rephrase that. Megan is in the process of potty training Mila. And you know, what if every single time that she had an accident, I just washed my hands of it and said, I, I can't do this anymore. She's never going to learn. We've been training her. We've been trying to get her to do this right for, for weeks now. And she, she's still making mistakes. I'm giving up on her. Is it not the same thing here? If we give up on people... Who are spiritually immature were basically giving up on children. We rebuke, we teach, but we do not give up on them. We do not give up on them. The reason this message is so important is because we have to have you. We have to have each and every member of the church pulling on the same rope. It's essential. I mean, just take a look outside. Turn on the news and tell me that we don't need all hands on deck. We have to have you. We need you to be teachers and leaders so people that are stuck in the cycle. We have to have them get out of it. But I always thought it was funny how people step up and fascinating how people step up when they absolutely have to, when there's just no other choice. And that's where we're at. There's no other choice but for members of the church to step up and to get out of the cycle and to grow and to mature and to become teachers and to become leaders in the church. People step up when they absolutely have to. And that makes me think of two people. I have a friend in Tuscaloosa. His name is Danny Mills. And a week after I got the job at Midway, he went into the hospital with COVID. And last Friday, we were there when he was able to return home for good for the first time been there for over a year and his wife has been incredible been by his side the whole time so that has left their three children in Tuscaloosa by themselves a lot and my friend Ty Mills he was when his dad went into the hospital he was about to start his senior year of high school you know he was gonna play football gonna play baseball and he was a good kid but man he was just a kid And all of a sudden, he became basically the caretaker for his two younger siblings. And it has been unbelievable to watch this last year. This guy basically become a man overnight. What he has done this year has been nothing short of incredible. Because he had to. He might not have even been ready to do it. But he did it. Because we do what we have to do, and we have to do it. And we have to have you. I also think about my grandmother. My grandmother, Patsy, she was the youngest child in her family. She was the baby, so everything, everyone kind of did everything for her. And then she went straight to living with my grandfather when they got married, and he was a saint, one of the best human beings that ever walked this earth, and he took care of her every need. So she really didn't know how to do a whole lot and couldn't do a whole lot. But I'll never forget the last two weeks, last couple weeks of my grandfather's life, My grandmother basically turned into Superwoman. She could do anything. He was on his deathbed, and she did whatever it took. She did whatever it took, because she had to. She had no other choice. She did what she had to do, because she had to do it. And that is the charge we are faced with as Christians. It doesn't matter how long we've been stuck in the cycle. We have to do what we have to do, because we have to do it. We have to do it. And that leads us to our final question of the night. Our final question of the night. And that is, what are our choices? What are our options? How many options do we have? I think we got two options. It's really just two. The first is the Judas option. You know, the same exact time period when, when Peter was doing all of this, You know, Judas was committing a betrayal, probably even, definitely even more famous than the one Peter did. And I asked this question to my kids last Sunday. Could Judas have repented and been forgiven for what he did? Of course, the answer is yes. He had the same opportunity as Peter, but what did he do? He gave up. He gave up. And that's one of our options. That's option number one. We can give up. You know, hopefully no one gets to that point where they want to take their own life, God forbid, like Judas. But I think there are other ways for us to give up. One way we can give up is by just staying in the cycle. We're comfortable here. We're comfortable just filling a pew and showing up and, and, and punching our ticket. And we just give up and we're, we're just going to live that way the rest of our lives. Or the even more sad option. is I've seen way too many people just leave the church altogether. Because they're stuck in this cycle, they say, I'm not getting anything out of this. And they leave altogether. Giving up, that's, that's option one. Here's option number two. Option number two is the Peter option, right? Peter hit an absolute rock bottom the rock bottom moment of his life. And he said, you know what? I'm I'm done with this. I'm not going to be stuck in this cycle any longer. I'm done. So as we close, let's flip over to John chapter 21 as we see an interaction between Peter and Jesus himself after he rose from the grave. John 21, we'll start in verse 15. Starting in verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Jesus says, Peter, if you love me, he says, you're forgiven. But if you really love me, you'll be the leader that I've groomed you to be. You'll feed my sheep. You'll tend my sheep. You'll spread my message to the whole world. verse 18 Truly truly I say to you when you were young you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go this he said to show by what kind of death he was a glorified god and after saying this he said to him follow me It has been very well documented that Peter died a martyr's death He was crucified but he didn't, want to, he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was, so he was crucified upside down. And in this moment, Jesus is telling Peter, the next time that you have an opportunity to die for me, he said, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Man, I hope we go to that option, right? I hope that's the option that we choose. I love the image in the story of the prodigal son where, The father is waiting on the son with his arms wide open, running to him. Because that's the image I have of God whenever we return to him. You know, it doesn't matter how long we've been stuck in the cycle. Like I said, you could be stuck in the cycle for 30 years. As long as there's breath in your body, there is hope to get out of it. Me and Megan were talking the other day about this very subject because there's a man in Tuscaloosa who my dad went to see. He's very sick. I mean, he probably does not have long to live at all, and he was restored to the church. And Dad said it's probably been forty years since that man has been in the church. And I was just—I was talking to her. Is that not the beauty of our God, the mercy of our God, that we can be gone for forty years, and as soon as we decide that we're ready to commit? He's right there with arms wide open. Is that, not, is that not the beauty of the God that we serve? Always ready to take us back. Always ready. As long as there is breath in our body, there is hope. So as we wrap up tonight, I have a final charge for everyone in the audience tonight. If you are in the cycle, I charge you to break out of it, to keep growing, to keep pushing, to keep working because we need you. And also charge those that are not in the cycle. If you know someone in this church in this congregation, in your family be the one that encourages them to break out of that cycle. Be the difference in their lives. Because we need every single person in the church all in. All in. Let's close with a prayer. Dear God, we just thank you so much for another opportunity to come out and to to worship you, Father, to to study your word. Father, we just thank you so much for everything you do for us. Father, we're so thankful most of all for your mercy that no matter how long we've been stuck in the cycle, no matter how long we've been lost, Father, that as long as there's breath in our body, we can come home. We thank you so much for your son Jesus because it is because of him that we have that hope. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.